Welcome to Insight Briefs, an attorney discussion podcast. Today is Monday, October 23rd, 2017. On behalf of Wealth Council, this is Patrick Carlson, and joining us today is Jonathan Mintz from Evergreen Legacy Planning in Evergreen, Colorado. Jonathan is a partner there and brings over 28 years of estate planning experience. Today, we're going to be talking about the unknowns of international planning. Thanks for being here today, Jonathan. Thanks for having me, Patrick. So tell me a little bit about why international planning is so important in today's world. Well, I wrote recently in the Wealth Council Quarterly about the perfect storm that's created an unusual opportunity to plan for foreigners. Right now, foreigners are investing in the U.S. in unprecedented numbers, uh, really for three reasons. One, we have a better, a better economy than many parts of the world. Obviously, we have more uh, government stability than, than most places in the world. And the really unusual factor is this the result of FACTA and the fact that the rest of the world now has bilateral disclosure of foreign accounts, whereas the United States has said that they will not disclose foreign-owned accounts to those governments. And so for individuals who are looking for privacy, uh, the United States is what the Switzerland of the world was, say, 10, 15 years ago. Well, that's really interesting. Tell me a little bit more about how planning might be different for foreigners than U.S. citizens, because as we're getting more of a, more foreign uh, assets and individuals coming into the country, I suspect that's going to become a larger issue. It is. And the obvious distinction is with the lack of a marital deduction. So for a non-U.S. citizen spouse, there is no unlimited marital deduction. But there are other significant differences. Um, the first is whether or not this person is a resident of the United States for, for transfer tax purposes. And let, let's focus on the gift and estate tax. The, um, the residency test is domicile. So whether or not that person is present or was present with the intent to remain indefinitely determines uh, whether or not they are a resident for U.S. transfer tax purposes, absent a tax treaty that, that changes those, those basic rules. And um, if they are a U.S. resident, they have the same exemption equivalent amount that a U.S. citizen has, currently $5.49 million. But again, they do not have the unlimited marital deduction for transfers to spouses. So if they make a transfer to a spouse, for example, that exceeds the what's referred to as the super gift tax annual exclusion or $149,000 per year, they would use up some of that $5.49 million exemption. Now, you mentioned tax treaties. How might a tax treaty adjust some of these uh, default rules in the transfer taxes? There are 16 transfer tax treaties, and then there's a, a treaty with Canada that, even though it's an income tax treaty, it also addresses transfer tax. So 17 total. And they are not all the same. Um, of course, they're all different in, in various respects. But they generally do, um, at a minimum, most of the tax treaties creates a pro rata exemption equivalent amount. So let me, let me back up for a second. If you're a non-resident for transfer tax purposes, your exemption at death is $60,000. Your exemption for lifetime transfers is $14,000. Anything above that is subject to a 40% tax. And that is in contrast to the what is it, $5,490,000 exemption for U.S. citizens. Is that correct? That is correct. And it's a very unpleasant surprise for a lot of foreigners who've already invested in the United States, taxed inefficiently, 
to learn that they are now going to be subject in essence to a 40% tax on virtually their entire wealth here in the US. So back to your question, um, if, if you have a, a US resident, um, the planning is very similar to planning for a US person except the lack of the unlimited marital deduction. So for example, if they have less than $5.49 million, the planning is very similar. In fact, it could be identical. But if they, don't, if they have more than 5.49, now we're getting into issues like qualified domestic trusts and planning that would be atypical for a, for a US citizen. So that brings up a, a question I have. What are some of the common strategies that we might use in planning for foreigners? You mentioned qualified domestic trust. Um, are there any others that we need to be thinking about? Absolutely. In fact, if we can plan for them before they become a U.S. person, we can quite easily, um, either before they become a U.S. person or if they buy assets tax efficiently, we can completely eliminate the U.S. transfer tax. And I like to tell my, even my domestic clients that the federal estate tax is voluntary. And the same is true for foreigners, but it requires planning. The most common strategy that we use is, a, is utilizing a trust that's very similar to a domestic asset protection trust. So it would be a trust that is established in a jurisdiction that allows self-settled trusts. And it's because it's um, outside their state for estate tax purposes, it's creditor protected, it works just like a domestic asset protection trust works. But there are some nuances. Um, these are typically non-grantor trusts. Um, and they may be, even though they're U.S. situs trusts, they may be foreign trusts for U.S. tax purposes, depending upon how we structure them. Interesting. What are some of the uh, traps for the unwary in this planning area? There are quite a few, and they're not as obvious as, as you might think. So I think the more obvious would be as practitioners, we're used to, to funding every asset that we can fund into a, a client's estate plan. But my rule of thumb for property outside the U.S. is I don't transfer anything unless local counsel, meaning counsel in the client's home country or other country, tells me that it is okay to transfer this asset because I'm afraid otherwise I will create a tax problem in the other country. Um, but there are, so you mean like if the client owned, let's say, a, an apartment building in France, you would not advise the client to transfer that into, say, the trust unless the French council had advised you to make that transfer? Precisely. Okay. And especially, that's especially true with real property. But there are um, less obvious traps. So, for example, we border Canada to the north, and I've done a lot of planning for Canadians. Canada has a very interesting rule that could potentially be a significant income tax trap for those who are unaware of that rule. And, and what it does is basically a Canadian who is a non-domicile for Canadian tax purposes is only taxed on their Canadian assets. However, if they set up a trust within five years, 60 months of of giving up their Canadian domicile status, 
all of those trust assets are subject to Canadian income tax. So for example, Canadian moves to the United States, claims non-domicile status in Canada, and within five years creates a U.S. revocable trust and, and transfers um, all types of assets to that U.S. revocable trust. Absent that revocable trust, those assets would not be subject to tax in Canada. However, because of the 60-year look back, all of those assets would be subject to Canadian income tax. So that is a huge trap for, for Canadian clients. That's quite the incredible outcome that can happen with, without uh, planning. What would you um, advise um, attorneys to do to learn more about uh, some of these international issues? Is, it, is the first place to start reading the tax treaty, or is there somewhere else that's better to go? The, the U.S.-Canadian tax, tax treaty is quite good as far as tax treaties go, although it's fairly complex. Um, I'm a member of STEP, the Society of Trusts and States Practitioners. It's an international organization that... Um, its members are interdisciplinary and, and it includes those who do some degree of cross-border or international planning. I think STEP is a great resource for international planning. There are quite a few international planning treatises out there. Um, one of my favorites is um, edited by Lee Basha and it's published by the ABA International Planning and I don't have it in front of me so I can't remember the full title. But that's quite good. And then there are lots of free resources. One of the, the national leaders in international planning, probably the biggest name nationally, is Warren Whitaker um, with Dave Pitney in New York City. And Warren's published quite a few articles that are available for free uh, if you Google Warren. So I would encourage folks to, to look at those. And then I've, I've published in State Planning and the Wealth Council Quarterly, um, not just on this or the the economic impact of foreign investment, but also an overview of international planning a few issues ago. Well, thank you for that, uh, Jonathan. And thank you also, everyone, for listening to this episode of Insight Briefs. Um, this podcast has been brought to you by Wealth Council. Please be sure to visit us online at wealthcouncil.com slash podcasts to join the conversation, access today's show notes, learn more about our guest Jonathan and Evergreen Legacy Planning, and discover more about um, international planning for your clients. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks. Thank you, Patrick.